I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello and welcome to the Raptors Over Everything podcast. I'm your host, William Liu. And on this week, we're doing yet another deep dive, this time into DeMar DeRozan. And I'm joined by Katie Heindel um, to reminisce on DeMar. How are you doing, Katie? I'm good. This is one of my favorite things to do in life and in basketball. Yeah. Um, first off, do we coordinate like outfits? Like, what is this? I n- I noticed that when we we were both like, oh, let's look sort of professional uh-huh. and not in in like sweatpants or the clothes that we're wearing day in day out. So, what do we think? Both of us thought a white button up shirt. Mm, yeah, I thought you were gonna come in one of your signature uh, jumpsuits. Are they jumpsuits or pantsuits? They're, they're kind of jumpsuits. Yeah, they're right? jumpsuits. They're okay. jumpsuits. I mean, I feel like, you know, the, the jumpsuit, the impact would be lost a little bit via this medium because you're only seeing this Fair much, enough. You know? yeah. I could have said this was a new jumpsuit and you wouldn't have known. So I blew it. Yeah, I was going to say, um, this is so inside media, but like Katie is definitely the best dressed uh, writer there. You know, like on camera people from TSN or, I'm sorry, this is a weird compliment, but like, you know, like (laughs) on camera people, they come in their dress, whatever, it's it's normal. But like writers, like the average is like, honestly, what I look like in the videos. And Katie always comes in with like a crazy jumpsuit or just some kind of crazy fit. So, you know, you got to get in. I feel like for me, not to get too far into it, Mm -hmm. it's like getting into the kind of mentality, you know? So you got to get into like, right. That's why I'll do like an outfit or like a, it's like you're, you're power dressing kind of. Yeah. Plus you never know when you're going to meet Doris Burke and you got to take a picture. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. (laughs) All right. So DeMar DeRozan. DeMar DeRozan. All right. So I prepared, I think 10 or 11 questions on DeMar and his career. And we can kind of go on from there. Um, Let's start at the very beginning. What was your reaction when Commissioner David Stern, rest in peace, announced DeMar DeRozan to the Toronto Raptors with the ninth overall pick in 2009? I mean, to be honest, like I have to be clear, like I wasn't, I wasn't living in Toronto at the time and I wasn't really paying that much attention to the Raptors at that point. I'd have written them off like they'd been kind of bad for a long time. Mm-hmm. So the pick, the pick sort of passed me by. But when you look retrospectively, at this draft. I mean, I think the draft is kind of a crapshoot, but when you look at that draft, like, and it feels weird to say that a draft that included Steph Curry and James Harden didn't seem that stacked. Mm-hmm. Yeah. At <laughs> the know? time it didn't. And like, like Griffin goes first. Yeah. Um, so I think when you look at like some of the other options, just in terms of like the butterfly effect that came after the Raptors picked DeRozan, you know, had they picked some of these other guys that, were available that year, the story that we would be telling would be really different. Mm-hmm. I mean, my first, but like back to your question, my first impression around that time, I think was more just like something is happening. It's just happening really slowly. And I think for me, like the impetus was more when like Masai came in and you saw like Larry and Rose and team up, which we'll get to. Mm-hmm. 
But I don't know. It was sort of like, it's hard to, do you find it's hard to dissect your retrospective, like take on these things versus like what you actually felt at the time? Yeah. I mean, it's always hard to parse them apart. Uh, And plus for me, I was definitely following the team very intently, but I was also like 15, 16 years old. Yeah. I just like didn't, I, I don't know. I mean, I don't remember that much of uh anything but i just remember that year i mean coming into the draft so i, I looked into the, some research because i don't remember what the other options were but actually it, it was kind of funny how transparent everybody was like brian colangelo mm-hmm. was just on raptors.com and just saying like hey we're gonna pick one of the following five players <laughs> and he actually picked one tomorrow was one of the five players but you would never hear that today you would never hear dan told no. just being like hey we're thinking of getting fred van on draft all right don't tell anybody <laughs> But yeah, so it's a secret. (laughs) Yeah. So the five players that they were deciding between were James Johnson, who became a Raptor anyway, twice. Uh, Gerald Henderson, Mm -hmm. who torched the Raptors many times. Uh, DeMar DeRozan, obviously. Johnny Flynn, who was a big deal at the time. And Drew Holiday. So honestly, out of all five of those, DeMar was definitely the best pick. Like Drew Holiday is very good player. But I I think DeMar, especially as a number one guy, has sort of... um, done more than Drew Holiday does. And I just remember at the time, like, it, it just made sense to me because they needed a piece because they were still trying to compete for the playoffs. It was mm-hmm. Chris Bosch's last year going into free agency. Colangelo, I think he kept he, – he was just insisting that Bosch would stay. He's like, we have we have the most money to offer him. He's not going anywhere. He's not going to the Miami Heat. Yeah. Um, yeah. It was him. It was – I think that was the year they signed Turkoglu. So – Damar mm-hmm. retroactively, like he wasn't even the biggest addition. I think it was Turkaloo. Um, and they still had Jose, they still had Anthony Parker, guys like that. So um yeah, they just needed a shooting guard. And it was a little strange that, you know, you know, part of me was a little um skeptical just because I thought, are you just drafting somebody to fit a positional need? Because you should try to draft the best player available. It turned out that way anyway. But um mm-hmm. but yeah, I mean Damar started from day one and Honestly, he was a rookie. Like, he was super young. I think he was, like, 19 at the time. Um, and I remember just, like, my first story that I read about DeMar at the time was that he l- entered into the draft early because he wanted to help his mom, who was suffering from lupus, and he wanted to help her with medical bills. And I thought this is just such an admirable thing to do. Um, and I just respected DeMar right away just based on that. Yeah. No, I, like, I, I've since read that and, like, mm-hmm. knew that after he he because he didn't say that right away but like yeah I mean it just shows sort of like where his um like his motivations have been with himself like mm-hmm. he's a pretty selfless like loyal person as we now know right. um I mean just to go back to the guys that that were uh, the other options at that time when you look at w- what became of their careers they all become more like role players I think than like leaders like DeRozan yeah. has yeah granted like I do really think him going to the Raptors was like the catalyst for him becoming a leader because he had so many other opportunities than he necessarily would have at like another sort of like larger market team mm-hmm. at the time. Yeah, that's true. Um, yeah. And then, you know, even just as a player though, as a rookie, like, so obviously DeMar at the time was not DeMar, anything close to DeMar now. His skill set was entirely different and his role was entirely different. Like he was pretty mm-hmm. much the fifth option in the starting lineup. Um, but they actually had some pass first players like Turkoglu and, and Calderon were definitely pass first. And DeMar was sort of a f- finisher kind of slasher guy, but just to put it into perspective, like 
DeMar as a rookie averaged 8.6 points per game, which was like 10th or 13th, somewhere around that like mid-teens kind of range um, in terms of points per game for rookies that year. Guys who averaged more points per game than DeMar in his rookie season, uh, Omri Caspi, Reggie Williams, who averaged like 15.5. I don't remember him at all. Uh, Johnny Flynn, Brandon Jennings, Jonas Jarebko, uh, and Chase Budinger. So it was not like DeMar got off to this great, incredible start. DeMar was, um, yeah, he was kind of middle of the pack early on. I remember people freaking out that the Raptors didn't pick Brandon Jennings instead. And thank God. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, I will say, though, like when you look at, you know, being being voted into the All-Star game, like your first season – Mm-hmm. pretty good and I think like when I went back and looked at when I went back and looked at his performances in the 2010 dunk contest and the 2011 dunk contest like first 2010 like he he was so strong like when you're watching yeah. that footage and yeah. like that's what really stuck out to me like when you think of rookies like the typical rookie aside from like some exceptions like Zion who's like you know yeah. superhuman strength yeah. they're not just like as all around developed yet you know what I mean and like he it wasn't that he was just jacked he was just like all around strong like when you're Mm -hmm. watching some of those dunks and just like the form that he's able to take when he's doing them like that that was kind of surprising not that because you see some older pictures of DeRozan and you're like oh he was like a scrawny rookie but he never really was yeah yeah I mean he always like right off the bat he always went to the, the just he attacked the paint with his ferocity to be honest he didn't really have that many other tools other than slashing and going hard to the paint. But he really, really – you could tell right away he had a scorer's mentality. Like, he would take mm-hmm. difficult shots. Um, he would really try to go – like, there was no chop blocker that he wouldn't really go up against. And I, I really appreciated that about his career. So, I mean, um, for DeMar, though, like, when was the first time you remember DeMar, like, uh, grabbing your attention? Like, whoa, this is, this is somebody that uh, we should be paying attention to. I think – I mean, again, like it was, t- it wasn't at first. Mm-hmm. I think it was, I think it was when the notion, when it became clear that like he was taking kind of every step extremely seriously, maybe more seriously than you would think at the time was necessarily like the, like, don't worry, I got us tweet. And like when he went to Lowry and he asked, like after Bosch left and he asked him to commit kind of, right. Mm-hmm. And then like trusting kind of seen that that was going to be the best option, not just for him, but for the team. And like not even knowing yet if like Larry would commit because at that point, Larry was still kind of like a loose cannon, Mm -hmm. right? Like rumored a loose cannon sort of player and like kind of checked out like Larry has said before, like he didn't, he wasn't uh, in Toronto or like he didn't want to. So I think just like those sort of initial steps, like taking, taking the franchise really seriously almost before uh, like we as fans or like, like maybe even the franchise like took itself that that seriously mm-hmm. yeah i mean I've probably really... those those more than like yeah his gameplay at the time right and i think that's that's totally a fair point because the weird thing with damar is that the first couple of years of his career were kind of stagnant in a way even though his like he, he made a huge jump in his second year he went from like eight points per game to almost 17 in the second year it's just like it kind of just stagnated like there was this huge argument about his per 36 minute numbers because like for a four year period, they were just kind of the same and it wasn't entirely clear if he was developing, but I didn't like that. He took on that responsibility. Um, so early, like you mentioned that, that tweet, that, that legendary tweet, don't worry, I got us. 
June 28, 2010, when Chris Bosh left uh, and announced that he's going to join the big three in Miami. Um, it's just legendary stuff. I mean, you think about it. DeMar was like 20 years old when this happened. Like, yeah. He really, like a nobody. Like kind of Literally nobody. nobody. Yeah. His, <laughs> his claim to fame at the time was losing to um, Nate Robinson <laughs> in the dunk contest by the popular vote 51 of 49. Um, yeah. <laughs> and yeah, it, honestly, I went back and watched that dunk contest. It actually even wasn't that good. Like, <laughs> I felt like DeMar had way better dunks than that. Um, but he eventually yeah. did. Well, exactly. He eventually did. But, like, he just, you know, for him to take responsibility for all that, it was really impressive. Um, mm-hmm. But, yeah, I mean, honestly, for me, the, for the first time I took that much, like, I took it that seriously with DeMar. I mean, again, I was younger, so I wasn't really focusing on basketball that same way. But it was kind of that second dunk contest he had because it's still a very memorable one to me. It was a really good dunk contest, first off, the 2011 dunk contest. DeMar was actually a, a last-minute replacement because Brandon Jennings mm-hmm. got hurt, which I, I don't remember Brandon Jennings having that many dunks. Um, but the dunk contest was JaVale McGee, Blake Griffin, DeMar DeRozan, and Serge Ibaka, a young Serge Ibaka. Um, you went back and watched the 2011 dunk contest. Like, Do you remember well, – what were some of your favorite moments, aside from DeMar pulling out that East Bay funk, which was I an mean, incredible dunk? Like, you know I'm a huge fan of the dunk contest, but mm-hmm. – I have to say that, like, the 2011 dunk contest, like, as a staunch defender of the dunk contest and what it stands for, like, I think it veered away from some of its more sacred truths in that contest because Blake Griffin, like, robbed everybody Yeah. because he jumped over a Kia. No, he jumped over just the hood of a Kia. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, that's true. But it was just, like, the sponsorship aspect of it was so blatant, and Uh I don't think, like, the skill – I mean, I don't know. Some people are like, what, like, the dunk contest isn't about skill. It's about, like, showmanship or, like, whatever. But uh, I think it's a mix. And I just mm-hmm. think, like, at that point, like, you just sort of, like, robbed everybody um, for, like, kind of a, like a sponsored gag, basically. So yeah. I try – I think, like, DeMar was actually robbed in that dunk contest because he had – he did have good dunks. And, yeah. like, so did Serge. So did – JaVale sort of did, but, like – JaVale low-key should have won that dunk contest. <laughs> yeah. I, I don't want to be, like, a JaVale McGee stand or anything, but – No, like, please. I love JaVale. The two – okay, the, the two backboards side by side, and for mm-hmm. him to, like, dunk both at the same time because his arms are that long, it's crazy. And he threw it off the backboard, so he caught it with one hand yeah. and dunked both. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I love, That's like, anyone – you just, like – Yeah, I saw it. It was good. I think anybody – if you're, like, bored right now, you should just revisit every – any dunk mm-hmm. contest because there's going to be dunks in there where you're, like, I totally forgot this happened. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, like, I think Jamar even, like you said, like, he came in as a replacement. So mm-hmm. coming as a replacement against, like, those three other guys who were, like, the stacked talent or whatever for that year and then, like, showing up the way he did and then getting robbed by, like, a stupid Kia joke. Yeah. I can't stand for it. <laughs> yeah. And in retrospect, Serge Ibaka also had a very good dunk contest because yeah. <laughs> I, first of all, I haven't seen a big man like Serge is what, 6'10? He does a free throw line dunk, like a legitimate free throw line dunk. And I'm like, for a guy that big and that heavy is really impressive. It's one thing for a lighter guy like Michael or, or Zach mm-hmm. Levine or whoever else um, to do that. Uh, James White Flight. That was, that was funny. I, I, why was he named White Flight? Anyway. Um, <laughs> But, yeah, I mean, Serge did that dunk. And then his second dunk, <laughs> to your point about props, one of, the, my, one of my favorite ones, right up there with Gerald, uh, Gerald Green putting the cupcake on the rim and blowing yes. it out. But Classic. Serge 
he had this whole premise where this little girl came out of the stands and she was like, I need your help to get me this teddy bear that's like somehow stuck on the rim and started just like, no problem. He jumps up, he dunks it. I forget what the dunk actually was, but the premise of the dunk was he got up so high, he was able to bite the teddy bear off the net, off the mesh yes. and return that to the girl. And um, I just, I just appreciated that because only Serge can have the mind to think of something. I was going to say, like, even though now you're like, Serge, would, that's the last thing he would ever do is like go in a dunk contest. Again, mm-hmm. like he's far too serious for it. Yeah. The thing, like the storytelling in that dunk, is still something he uses, like on all of his shows today. <laughs> yeah, definitely, definitely. You could see the the media mind working at that time. But yeah, yes. Demar, uh, Demar had the dunk in the night. That that's my thing. Uh, sometimes mm-hmm. dunk contests not are not are not even necessarily about who wins the dunk contest. It's about um, who has the best dunk, and Demar has the most memorable dunk. Uh, it's not that stupid Kia one, which is just a straight alley oop out of a car from baron davis um it was demar Rosen again he is like a last minute replacement but he, he just like throws a little pass catches it on the bounce does a reverse windmill mid-air and twists his body so like 180 and then finishes the reverse it's and it's the first try and it's mm-hmm. so clean like it's one of those dunks where you watch you're like I have never seen anyone make a play like this before mm-hmm. it reminded me of like when aaron gordon did some of his dunks where you're just like what like that little yeah. windmill one where he did that mailman um again maybe this is my next video should just be me recreating those, but <laughs> i like it <laughs> It was the same kind of deal where it's like so athletic so smooth and so unique uh, and it's just mm-hmm. a shame because demar got like 94 in the first two rounds of the first round and he didn't even make it past the first round that's how good the dunk contest was i know it was really yeah it was really good and that one especially just like because i think it was the year before who was passing to him and he tried it like I don't know. Oh, Sonny Weems. times. Yeah, he like screwed him over so many times. <laughs> so I feel like DeMar just being like, I'm uh-huh. just going to do my own bounce. Thanks. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, here's the thing. So, um, you know, this another weird little chapter of DeMar's career was the Young Guns. And they had to, I think mm-hmm. they had to change their names because people didn't want to hear about guns. So they had to change their names to Young Ones, which sounds hilarious. Um, that is cool <laughs> yeah o-n-e-z young ones like it's it's yeah it wasn't great um but yeah damar was at the core of that with amir johnson and sunny weems and um yeah i mean damar really repped for them because he he brought both of them to the dunk contest it was sunny weems in 2010 and 2011 he got amir johnson to come so um oh, great yeah. i miss what amir a- so much but not sunny weems <laughs> <laughs> you know what honestly i'd like honestly okay this is this is sounds silly but at the time i was i, I could have sworn that sunny weems was gonna be the best player out of the three of them he's yeah he, i like sunny man I, he he had good size he could pass it a little bit it's uh you know now he's the truths are really coming out the truths are really coming out today <laughs> Yeah, That's I had some okay. I had some bad Demar takes. I'm not gonna lie. Okay, next question. Um, so so much of Demar's story, as you mentioned earlier, is sort of about growth and leadership, uh, and really that's the defining like uh, trait about Demar is that he's willing to grow and he's such an open person. Uh, what aspect of Demar Derozan's growth in, impressed you the most? Yeah, I think like it was always his focus on improvement and mm-hmm. like the kind of just like single he would just like focus on one single element of his game and then he would come back every season with a new skill like under his belt especially 
toward his like later tenure with the Raptors after kind of every disappointing playoff run. Right. Um, you know, like these were gaps. These were gaps that even if like we know now, there were things that like he couldn't have possibly filled. Like he mm-hmm. couldn't have actually delivered what the team needed because, but he still like never saw them as being unattainable. Mm-hmm. Like he really looked at it in a tangible way. It's like, I can, here's like some small things I can do to improve like my game. And like, I'm a leader on the team. So therefore this will like improve the team. Right. Um, and I also think like his maturity, like initially, like from what we talked about, is just like how serious he took things. I think at times, like, you know, it seemed like his seriousness was maybe like out of step, especially like some of his moments with Lowry. Like mm-hmm. you, you thought like maybe he took it like too seriously. But I think when you look back now, you see that like how much, how much like he meant everything he did and how much mm-hmm. like the, the team and like staying competitive always meant to him. I don't know. And like, if you want to talk just in terms of numbers, like he did achieve so many firsts for the franchise, like in terms of records, you know, like he made, once he kind of made the possibility it's like a tangible thing for the mm-hmm. Raptors, you know, just like he had a lot of games where he's like, you know, first, first Raptor to score like 30.3 games in a row, things like that. Right. That these yeah. records that like now I think we take for granted, but at the time, like Toronto didn't have any of those things really. Yeah, exactly. Um, and I, I think, you know, that's a great point because. Okay. Now that, okay. Now where the franchise is after winning a championship 25 years, going to the playoffs six straight times that we're going to go this year, so seven straight appearances. Um, you know, I think, especially with the new generation of fans coming in too, with a different perspective of just like, Raptors are good. They're going to make the playoffs every year. They've been mm-hmm. champions. Like, this is what we expect. Um, it's just, it's lacking in a bit of perspective because the history of the Raptors before DeMar DeRozan and he started taking us that seriously was that, nobody took this team seriously like um at all they had very few successes uh 48 wins back in 2013-14 was the highest the franchise had ever won at that point and the raptors i mean think about it 48 wins like they have 44 already like they were you know what i mean uh they had 44 in early march so uh this was definitely something that didn't happen a lot for the team at the time and mostly there's just a team that was bereft of leadership. They needed someone to come here and take it as seriously. Um, and that's something I appreciate about DeMar. It's almost like, you know, he wasn't necessarily that guy, mm. but he was willing to be that guy. Like, he was willing to lead, and he was willing to say, you know what, I'm going to take on this responsibility. I'm going to grow, and in part of me growing, the team's going to grow, and the franchise is going to grow. And that's really, that's really impressive because you say, think back, like 2010. He says, don't worry, I got us. It seems like a ridiculous statement at the time. <laughs> People used to make it into a meme. And now, like, looking back, like, yeah, he really did get us. Like, he really got us through some tough years where it was him and Andrea Barnani as a number one options. Did not work whatsoever. Then, you know, Rudy Gay gets, gets here. Rudy Gay gets moved really quickly. Kyle Lowry almost gets moved. The one guy who never really almost got moved was DeMar DeRozan. That team was going to mm-hmm. be DeMar's. Like, if they traded Kyle, that was going to be DeMar's team. And, and he kind of made it his team anyway. And it's really impressive. I remember stories about, like, you know, back in 2012, 2013, the Raptors weren't anything good that year. Someone asked him about, like, hey, how'd you spend New Year's? And he's like, oh, New Year's? I watched, I was watching film that night. <laughs> I probably watched film for about two hours. A lot of my mistakes, a lot of my decision-making, a lot of little things like that. Like, this is how he spent New Year's Eve um, in Toronto. So uh, it's just, like, incredible leadership. And really, I mean, it's not even necessarily about, like, 
you know, what he says or what, uh, what is written about. It's really just like what his teammates say about him too, right? Because if you think about it now, guys like Pascal, guys like Norm, guys like Fred, they always talk about how much DeMar was a vet for them, how much DeMar set the tone. And they're very close. Like, DeMar congratulated all those guys after the championship. You've seen them in their – I think all three of them have done IG Lives now. You know, like, it's – it's it's um you know, you needed a leader to do all that. And before Kyle was, like, the leader, as he is, you know, last year and this year, um, it was DeMar was the leader. And I, I think, honestly, even, De- even Kyle took a lot of the aspects from DeMar into his leadership. Mm-hmm. So I really respected that because when he first got here, he was just shy, didn't really say much. Watching his old videos, you know, he just was awkward, and he really grew into being a full-grown adult, and it's it was it was nice to see. Yeah, and I think like you know we don't think of him maybe as a vet, right? Like we think of him as like a young guy who who like got signed to the team and like stuck with the team, and like we saw him grow. But you know, for a lot of the like for Fred and Pascal and like those guys, like he was always their vet, and like mm-hmm. he was super accessible, super approachable, and like he said a really but it wasn't unattainable it Mm -hmm. wasn't like out of like fear mongering or like you know i don't there are some players you could look at that are like like i don't know maybe drive rookies a little too hard or whatever or like Mm -hmm. have like less than serious expectations but there was something very human i think in derozan for a lot of those guys and like again that's a perspective thing like it's hard it was hard at the time to to think of him as the vet for those guys but he was Mm -hmm. yeah for sure um, and then to your point, like the development of his game too, like, man, mm-hmm. when he first got here, he didn't have, he didn't really have skills with, I mean, he just, <laughs> I don't know. He didn't really have a lot of them. He dunked a lot. Like if you go back and watch DeMar DeRozan rookie highlight tapes, they're all just dunks and layups. Um, mm-hmm. so DeMar really like improved his jumper. Now, of course, like the big critique is he never got that three pointer uh, correct, but like he really developed his mid range jumper to the point where he's one of the best mid range shooters in the game really developed his ability to draw fouls and that kind of that was the big shift in DeMar's game where he went from a guy who was kind of an inefficient scorer to a guy who could be efficient because he drew so many fouls on the inefficient shots that he took uh he improved as a ball handler like significantly really really Mm -hmm. became a guy who was able to work pick and roll was able to uh operate as a point guard later in his career you know and in the passing ability too because man at first DeMar was not a passer at all he was he <laughs> um, passed the ball to him. He was shooting the ball. That was it. Or he's turned the ball over. And, you know, he really became a really good passer. And now when you watch him with the Spurs, he's even become an even better passer uh, for San Antonio. I mean, his first time he was above five assists per game was in 2017-18. And then since then, he's been like six assists per game with the Spurs. And when you watch the Spurs, like so much of their offense, uh, which is not really the problem. The Spurs have a defensive problem. That's why they're bad. But their offense, so much of it is DeMar being able to break down his man, get into the paint, and kick out to one of their random shooters. And, yeah, the, like, DeMar really, really improved. And he's such a polished and smooth player now, which is just crazy to mm-hmm. think about because at the time, he was not – he was anything but polished. He was literally just a guy who went in and dunked. He was like the and original like Pascal being... in a way, you know? Yeah, kind of. <laughs> kind of. Yeah. But, like, again, I think that's something that, like, him and Lowry, like, being – on the Raptors gave them, gave them the ability to step into these leadership roles, like uh, really early on, Mm -hmm. just because like on another team, they might've been eclipsed by another like star player. Right. Like, and they would have had to play more support, but like them sort of really embracing like playmaking and just like, yeah, like distribution and like 
things that are like very small, like mm-hmm. to some other teams, but for the team like the Raptors at the time kind of like made such a big difference just in terms of like winning and losing games and efficiency. Um, and I think like DeRozan taking that to the Spurs is a real testament like, to the, to the shoes like he was able to step into on the Raptors. Yeah. Um, so I think in terms of the steps that DeMar took to improve in his career and stuff, like, uh, you know, I think, as I mentioned earlier, there was always this willingness to sort of be the man before he was the man. Uh, mm-hmm. When was the first time, like, you were f- convinced of him as, like, okay, this is the guy, this is the number one option. We can bank on him to lead us to playoff runs and stuff like that. I mean, I think it was probably pretty much as soon as like he and Lowry decided to like come back as leaders. I mean, you didn't really see the proof of it until like you, we started to have consistent like playoff appearances. Right. And granted, at, at the time, like most of those, well, they were all disappointing, but like some more crushing than others, you know. Mm-hmm. But, but I think like when I look back at it, I, I make it bums me out. Like I wish he didn't have to work so hard to, you know that he was that number one option because like not only did he have the franchise history on his shoulders, but he had like the whole city's kind of fragile sports ego Mm -hmm. at the time, like on his shoulders, you know? And like, I think he did everything he could have in the small steps and the ways that we talked about, just like gradual improvement that a player can actually just take on personally. He tried to do all those things, but like whether or not we as fans or like who, whatever perspective you were looking at the team from, we probably weren't ready to see it. Right. Like, so I think it's a, it's a good question, but I'm not convinced that he, until you can look at everything, like from where we are now mm-hmm. that you can see, he really was like the number one option. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, you know, when I wrote this question, I kind of felt weird because I, even now, I'm not totally convinced he could be like a number one option for a team that has that big of a you know championship ambition. Um, mm-hmm. But like, I don't know, man. In the moment, though, it's it's easier said now in retrospect than it was at the time because there were real moments where you're like, "Holy crap!" Like he's real, he's getting really good. Like um, I remember there was a game in 2014 where he had 40 on the Mavericks in a comeback win. That year, the Mavs were really good. Uh, even though they were led by Dirk and Monte Ellis, which does not seem like a great team. But, yeah, they were really good that year. <laughs> the Raptors beat them twice. Once was on the road, just a thrilling win. And then, again, uh, in the ACC, like, the Raptors were down all game. DeMar was the only guy. He had 40 points. And end of the game, what really convinced me was he blocked Vince Carter, uh, who was randomly a Mav, and he picked up a pass from Jose Calderon, who was also randomly a Maverick. What's going on, Mavericks? Why are you stealing all our <laughs> franchise players? Um <laughs> And those two defensive plays, he was able to convert them into buckets the other way. And I was like, that plus the ability to get to the line and that sheer determination, I was like, okay, there's something really good here with Demar. And that was the first year he made an all-star team. And then afterwards, it was really just 2017. That was the year where I was like, damn, Demar DeRozan is incredible because that was mm-hmm. the year where Kyle Lowry got hurt. Um, you know, he uh, fractured something in his hand. He had to get hand surgery. Uh, however, he was at the All-Star game and shot a nine in the three-point contest, which still burns my soul to this day to hear that nine. Uh, the six upside down was a nine <laughs> now. And then, but yeah. yeah, during that stretch where Kyle was out for like two months, DeMar had to be the guy for the team and carry everything, be the playmaker, everything. And he had 43 points right away in the first game Kyle was out. This is national TV against the Celtics. This is the game where 
Serge and PJ Tucker uh, made their arrival to the Raptors after the trade deadline. And then there's another game, which the Raptors at this time had this like long ass Bulls TNT curse. They lost mm-hmm. like 12 straight to the Bulls. And whatever, the Raptors weren't that good and the Bulls weren't that bad. But, like, it was just annoying that they kept losing to the Bulls. And they would have these increasingly frustrating games where they would be up, like, 20. And then, like, I don't know, Doug McDermott scores, like, 30 points on the Raptors somehow lost. Um, there was a game where that streak was finally ended. This was overtime. Serge Ibaka fights uh, Robin Lopez. Both of them get ejected. Yeah. Um, Serge, oh, yeah. just, Serge just couldn't <laughs> stop fighting people when he first came to the Raptors. I don't know what was going on with him. Um, but DeMar has 42 points in an overtime win that game to beat Jimmy Butler. And I was like, this is it. DeMar has arrived as a, as a, a superstar because a superstar is defined as being able to beat the 44-win Chicago Bulls. A curse breaker. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no, it just felt like psychic. Like, and it felt like it was, so, it was so much fun to root for DeMar because you needed him to become that good. And when you had moments, when you showed those moments – when he had like 52 points, the franchise record for scoring against the Bucks um, in 2018, like you were just so willing to believe in this guy because, you know, he had all the other elements of a superstar player. And I think like that's a good point too. I know like we don't even, we don't often think about this, but when the Raptors were able to start kind of attracting or trading for like, you know, better than like middling talent, like with getting PJ Tucker, with getting Serge Ibaka, you also saw like one thing I think that gets lost is you see how, willingly and quickly DeRozan could absorb aspects of their game to complement his, but also right. like how he kind of lent them. He sort of like funneled them into the guidance and the leadership that like he and Lowry had established with the team. Like you, you know, like you, you've got all these great skills, but you've actually got to come and apply them to the framework that like we've set up. And like, this is how the team works because mm-hmm. that's something I think that can kind of get lost. And it's like, just in terms of like a chemistry question from season to season, when you lose players or you gain players, but that's something that's always stayed so consistent in Toronto. Mm-hmm. I think because of, because of those two, like being in a leadership role for such a long time. Yeah. I mean, that's a great point. Cause it's, and you hear it all the time. People talk about, you know, organizational culture. Don't mm-hmm. really know what that means. Kind of a nebulous term, but uh, I think in Toronto, undeniably, the organizational culture before Demar and Kyle was like, I don't know, people come and go. That's it. There's just yeah. like a pit stop. No yeah. one cares about this team. They lose. No one takes it seriously. Don't play defense. Don't play offense really. And like <laughs> when Demar and Kyle got here, they created that culture that exists to this day. And you don't just become a championship team overnight. It's not like the Miami Heat just like signing three guys and boom, you're a, you're a champion. Um, you need to develop that culture. You need to let it grow. You need to go through all the heartbreaks. And and Demar was really the foundation of that, right? Mm-hmm. And 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 you know we'll definitely get to the trade later on. But that was one of the reasons why it was so difficult to see him leave. Um, you know, one of the other things with Demar is that, as you mentioned, super loyal guys, really defining trade with him. Um, what what was one moment or one quote or anything, one memory that stood out to you? Uh, where DeMar sort of earned your respect as a fan that made you a fan of DeMar DeRozan? I think, like, for this it is also, like, it bums me out in the same way of, like, how much he had to prove it. Mm-hmm. Because, again, at the time, like, you know, you had the psychological kind of fallout of, like, um, Carter and, like, Bosch leaving, like, through different, like, iterations and almost, like, generations of the team that, like, I think – fans who were still around who had like been through that didn't trust 
that anyone would want to stick around or stay or like right. it was never really like good enough that they did. And I think again, like Damar like tried to prove so many times that like he was going to be different, that like the team was all that mattered to him, that like he had no plans on leaving. So, I mean, I guess I never felt burned as burned by those things. I think as some like those guys leaving as, as much as some other people did. Mm-hmm. So I don't think like, I remember it was it was more of like an abstract thing. It was kind of like I didn't know with every like playoff loss as much as they sucked. Like you never really knew. I didn't know or have a sense where the team was going. Right. You kind of just thought, okay, they're going to come back next season and they're going to improve incrementally and like maybe that'll be enough. Mm-hmm. But like that was sort of enough for me at the time. Like I trusted it, but mo- mostly I think it's because I really trusted DeRozan and like Larry and like them in tandem. But just like, DeRozan always seems so determined and like his loyalty was always so set in that way of just like he trusted himself and he trusted the team and he knew that he could like, he could turn it around. So, I mean, I think like every season felt like a new surprise in that sense, even the ones that ended in like very awful upsets. But Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I think he just like, again, it's one of those things. It's hard for me. It's hard for me to like separate it from how I felt at the time to like now the proof of like his loyalty, which when you think about it is like kind of heartbreaking mm-hmm. because he, I don't think he ever believed in anything as much as he like believed in, in the Raptors. Yeah, that's true. And again, he was the first guy to do that. Like absolutely the first guy to do that. I mean, even though we give Kyle so much credit and he deserves mm-hmm. so much credit, the guy who set the tone along with Kyle was DeMar and arguably DeMar said it more than Kyle did. Um, mm-hmm. Damar almost struck me as a little bit more serious about that kind of responsibility about it than Kyle sure. was, you know at first a reluctant leader now an excellent leader phenomenal can't ask for anything more but like I mentioned earlier like I think honestly Kyle took a lot of that responsibility on from Damar once Damar left and he really really ran with it especially last year in the playoffs and obviously this year um, with Damar I just like you know him in 2016 like okay so this gets overblown People were like, oh, he was going to sign with the Lakers, you know, like, because he's from <laughs> Los Angeles. And Stephen A. Smith said so. It's like, no, nah, man. Like, first off, the Lakers weren't even good at the time. They were ass. Mm-hmm. It was like Nick Young and Lou Williams and <laughs> and Jeremy Lin maybe still was there. Maybe Jody Meeks. Like, just a, a trash team. Let's be real. Um, you know, it, it, it wasn't an appealing situation to go to at the time. It wasn't the Lakers right now. And – Honestly, it didn't really make sense for DeMar to leave there because DeMar had more money in Toronto if he resigned. But I appreciated that in 2016 to take all of the anxiety out of the deal. Because if DeMar walked, I don't really know what the Raptors go to do, right? Like, it would have been a very strange situation for the franchise. And it wasn't an unfamiliar situation because, as we mentioned, like, there's a long history of free agents leaving Toronto. But within the first 30 minutes of free agency of starting up, DeMar DeRozan was already agreeing to a deal signed with the Toronto Raptors. He took slightly less than the max too, just so that he could sort mm-hmm. of help facilitate. And it wasn't a big discount, maybe like one or two mil, but it's a discount nonetheless. And I appreciated that because, you know, you can talk about loyalty. You can say, you can, you can, um, you can espouse about loyalty when it's uh, convenient to you, when it helps your brand, when it helps your popularity. Uh, what's the, the, the true testament of loyalty is like when it's not convenient, when it's like the 2012 Raptors and it's, Demar running pick and rolls with Ed Davis, and and that's the whole team. Like, yeah, okay, like that's loyalty when when he's really com- uh, committing to improving uh, on a team where the second best player was you know Leandro Barbosa, 
And it, it's, it's real loyalty when it comes to signing this deal. And he commits right away and says, look, we're coming off the season where we went to the Eastern Conference Finals. We're going to carry it forward. We're going to improve. And, you know, even after signing that big deal, like DeMar got so much better. That was probably his best season was 2016-17. He averaged like 27 points per game. He was really, really good that year. Um, and I really appreciate that about it. But honestly, there's just so many things. Like he had a lot of great quotes too. Remember DeMar used to always have me these analogies? Yeah. Like, uh, he's like, you know, after the Rudy Gay trade, uh, he's like, we could, we could either sink or swim and we out here like Michael Phelps. Like, that's, that's just yes. great stuff. <laughs> I think that stuff gets lost, right? Because you think of like, oh, DeMar for so long, like, he didn't emote as much as Lowry, right? But like, he mm-hmm. did. And oh, he was he in a lot of ways, like, much, much more poetic, you know? Mm-hmm. He just like spoke, uh, he like spoke less, you know? Yeah. No, and, and things he did say did, uh, definitely worked. Now, on the topic of Kyle and Namar, obviously mm-hmm. um, they were the backbone of the team, but it was also just like, you know, off the court and stuff. It was just really fun to see the bromance. Like, it was a real entertaining part of the Raptors was just kind of seeing, like, what kind of hijinks would happen. Like, basically, after any win, they would probably interview one of Kyle and Damar on the encore interview. And, like, you just know at some point they're going to crash each other's little interview with some sort of silly gag or whatever and they had so many um moments to do so because they played together in the olympics in 2016 uh you know they've gone on all these playoff runs they've done all these commercials together there's so many to pick from but is there a favorite uh colin damar bromance moment for you no because there's like <laughs> there's too many That's fair. um i think like I don't know. To to me, it's like more of a culmination of like how they balanced each other out. Like they balanced each other out perfectly. Like they, mm-hmm. and it seemed like they were searching for someone like that kind of from the beginning and they, they just clicked, you know? And I just think like, you know, anytime like Larry could get under DeRozan's skin mm-hmm. and like make him crack a smile, even when he was trying to be like extremely serious that the picture I always think is like, cause one of, one of my favorite moments is actually when they both got voted into the all-star game. Mm-hmm. But when they did those like presser, the like promo presser photos, and they were like one player was like extremely serious in like a room. Oh, yeah, yeah. Room that fake though behind Larry like comes up and is like, like makes such an awful face, like a weird little gremlin uh-huh. uh, in the window. And DeRozan is just like stone cold serious. Um, mm. I think that's like pretty, that like sort of sums up their relationship to me. Um, but I did, I did go back and I was looking at just like interviews and I think there's one early on. It's like when they went to London, I think in 2015 mm-hmm. preseason. Oh, 2016. Okay. Yeah. 2016. Yeah. And the, so like a reporter asks them like, what is one quality you would take from the other? Mm-hmm. And like Larry is like, I don't want, I don't want to be like you at all. <laughs> and then DeRozan's like, I don't want any skill set that he has. <laughs> And they just like go back and forth, like whipping each other for a long time. And the library is finally like, you might, you might want my hair though. Or like, oh, he's like, wow. you might want my, he's like, you might want my shoes. And DeRozan, I think just like looks like looks away or like walks off. Just like the things, but there are so many of those. Right. Mm-hmm. And then I think all the, like uh, all the FaceTiming when that became like secondary, like he's, when it was just like, I'll FaceTime you later. I'll FaceTime you later. Like oh, when, yeah. One or one or one or the other would like leave behind someone still doing their like post game pressers. Mm-hmm. Just how like colloquial they made FaceTiming with each other, and that we all knew they like FaceTimed a lot, like every single day. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean that's the thing in sports. There's not that many genuine friendships. 
mm-hmm. a lot of work friendships. Mm-hmm. And um, to see Kyle and Damar, where when they're on the first season together, Kyle goes straight here wearing number three um, in 2012. Like they didn't even have each other's numbers or anything like that. And true to all fr- great friendships, they there's not a real origin story. They're just like one day we decided to become really good friends, and like they just really ran with it. I mean, I think more than anything else, like neither of the two players in Kyle's career couldn't have been possible without Demar, and Demar's career couldn't have been possible without yeah. Kyle. And that's super cool to me because they came up together and they made this thing their own. Um, obviously, great stories. Like uh, I also went back and watched some of those highlight co- compilations of just honestly, like you know, your friendship is real when someone goes through the effort of making a, a friendship highlight reel. And <laughs> like, like there's many out there. Yes, there's, there's multiple, a lot, yeah. right? There's so many. <laughs> it's it's really really it's really really uh, it, it stands the test of time too. They're still really funny. Um, the two that stand out to me, well, actually, no, there's three, but. The McDonald's story, which they told on a Dan Levitard yeah. show, where <laughs> Kyle and Damar were at a drive through McDonald's at 3 a.m. They wanted McFlurries, um, <laughs> but they didn't have a car. So they asked a random dude on a motorcycle to order for them. And of course, they, you know, they, they picked up the, the motorcycle's meal, too. So, they, you know, they, they, they paid him back. But, yeah, that was really funny to me. Just the, and the when Larry's of, like... That was when I was fat. <laughs> yeah, Kyle was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. This is 2016 when they're telling it to. So Kyle was definitely uh, a lot skinnier oh. at the time. But it was real, just adorable. <laughs> like, that's a real friendship move to go at 3 a.m. to McDonald's. Um, you know, there's another one where Kyle Lowry crashes DeMar DeRozan's interview. And he's holding a glass bottle, kind of similar to this, where he's sort of using it as a mic. And, um, you know, DeMar is like, all right, I'm just going to start annoyed and stuff. And then I think... One of the reporters there asks uh, Damar, like, why is your field goal percentage higher? And Lowry just chirps in from the background because he's not taking dumbass shots. And then Damar goes, well, <laughs> at least I can get my shot off anytime I want. And Lowry says, yeah, after 38 pump fakes. And it's just, like, <laughs> such a great little, like, little jab. And, and like, Doug Smith actually low-key makes the whole clip because he starts laughing. And he goes, oh. <laughs> so it's, it, you know, it, it's, it's funny. And then the, the third one is just, I think also Kyle and Damar were somewhere else, maybe some sort of global games event, maybe an all-star event, not in Toronto, but um, Damar was like confused between the difference of what one, four, three or one and three meant. Cause he was like, yeah, we played, <laughs> we played four games here. We were one for three. And Kyle was like, USC baby. <laughs> yeah. And then Damar's like, no, I didn't even go to school that much. And it's like, probably, I mean, he went for like one year. Like he probably didn't learn much in intro to, you know, life science math like <laughs> uh. oh <laughs> and they're just like they're just great dudes you know like honestly like um they have pet plays too that's the thing like you, it's a real chemistry yeah. like um at the end of every game it was like kyle screening for demar Rosen to get the switch to on the mismatch so demar can attack or it, they had that little alley-oop play where you know kyle and demar both be the top of four and then demar will curl and get to the rim um it was great. It was great. A lot of on-court moments too, just like during games and stuff. Yeah, it was kind of. It was just so fluid, right? Like it was so seamless for like what constituted his on and off the court. And like mm-hmm. when they both went to work, they were just like, you know, as goofy, like as goofy as they could have been before. They would just completely shake it mm-hmm. um, and just be like, I don't know, so serious and like so in the zone for each other. And then like after the game, depending on like who had a good game or who didn't, like there are also so many times that we don't talk about 
because they don't stand out as much because we probably don't like watching them. But like when they had terrible games or one of the one of them had like a very bad game and the other one was there like pretty much right away. Right. To just like pull them out of a funk or just like talking through it. And again, right. I think like you see a lot of you can see some of that stuff like occasionally between teammates or guys just being like good teammates and just being like, you know, like you'll get it next time, whatever. But like to be so consistently there for one another. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It Like it. <laughs> It hurts to talk about a little bit. It does. <laughs> and like when you mentioned this, like the first picture, the first image that popped in my mind was after Kyle Lowry got blocked in game seven against by Paul Pierce, he's lying on the ground oh and he's like, oh my God, I can't believe we blew this chance to go get swept mm-hmm. by the Miami Heat. Um, <laughs> but I can't believe I blew this shot. And DeMar comes over, crouches over him and gives him a pep talk. The whole team comes and rallies around Kyle eventually, but it's really mm-hmm. DeMar and Kyle on the ground that moment picking each other up and that's like that's such a true and genuine moment um and it really represented everything with the team but honestly speaking of playoff failures wow what a terrible terrible segue <laughs> my next question was how much responsibility should demar bear for the raptors playoff failure so we've talked so much about the positives demar and stuff like that um one of the reasons he's not here anymore is because you know obviously he got moved for Kawhi, and we'll talk about that trade uh, right after this but uh, there was you know there's a real concern with DeMar and the playoffs. Mm-hmm. And I think the Raptors obviously had many, many notable playoff failures. Kyle takes a lot of shit for it. It was always weird to me that DeMar didn't take as much shit for it because it really did feel like DeMar had real issues in the playoffs. Um, so I'll just ask you, like, how much of how much responsibility should DeMar bear for the Raptors' playoff failures? It's tough, right? Because a part of it is, like, the team – the team should take some of the responsibility, not to offset it from tomorrow, but just because like some of the things we talk about of them, like failing or not being there is just because the team as a whole was not there. So that's a, that's a weird thing to say, like to put on one person. Mm-hmm. I think like Lowry, I don't know why Lowry even now will still just like get the most like flack from, because I think he's just like more of a visible player, I guess. Like people really like, picking on him you know people yeah. he can also be like a little bit even mercurial in his gameplay like it just in terms of like consistencies he's better now more than he was ever before but mm-hmm. I think DeRozan always like even maybe visually seemed the more steady player yeah. so I think like when they had you know even when you're like they're getting swept in series where like he just straight up didn't show up as much as like Lowry you know, mm-hmm. like defensively, like his shooting, like he, like the fact that he couldn't really shoot threes, like I think didn't matter so much at the first, like the first very bad playoff runs, but towards the end, you know, like when you're looking at who are getting swept by, like in like those Cavs series, like it did matter and it would have made a difference. Mm-hmm. Um, I think he should take some blame. And I think yeah. it feels like far off enough now that like I feel comfortable saying that and I don't, it, it doesn't like feel like a bad thing to say anymore. I just think like the team it be it's more it's more painful now to look back and see like how he how far he still was mm-hmm. from what the team needed to like right. set it over into the next step and like that i don't think as much as you want to put the blame on him i don't think like he he ever would have been enough right which feels terrible to say <laughs> well i mean but this is the thing like it it's such a paradox with demar cuz if he wasn't that good in the regular season, the Raptors never get to the playoffs and get into the position where they can be quote yeah. unquote disappointed. But yeah. uh, when he got to the playoffs, he just wasn't the same player. Like it was, 
It's unfortunate, but I actually went back and looked at every playoff run, and I really wanted to be fair about this, but I can't really remember a great playoff run by DeMar because 2014, they lose in seven to, honestly, a better team. The Nets were just more experienced and more playoff ready, but um, not great in that series. He shoots 38% from the field. He gets torched by Joe Johnson defensively. It was really, really bad. Um, You know, he scores a lot, but again, 38% shooting with no threes, Mm -hmm. it's, it's, it's hard to defend that. 2015, he was probably the Raptors' best player, but he couldn't do anything against Otto Porter. And, of course, they got swept. So it's hard to really say that it's a great playoff run. 2016, in that Pacers series, that first round, they almost honestly went down 3-2 as the two-seed to the seven-seeded Pacers. Uh, And he got benched in that game five where Norman Powell came in and really um, took it to Paul George and really rescued the Raptors. This was a rookie Norman Powell, by uh, by the way. And, you know, DeMar had some great moments in that playoff series, that 2016. Uh, he had 32 uh, in both games. The Raptors beat the Cavs. So that was amazing. That's probably the peak of his playoff career. But overall for that playoff series, he shoots 39% from the field. It's still not a great number. 2017, probably DeMar's best playoff run. Um, you know, he really carried the offense against the Bucs. Uh, and he had 37 in, against the Cavs in game three, which is just forgotten because obviously they got swept and LeBron was sipping beer mm-hmm. and shit. Um, but there were still like low moments where like, I remember Giannis had this press conference where he was looking at the box score and, you know, speaking his sort of ESL English. And he was like, man, uh, DeRozan only had eight points and it was just free throws because DeMar was 0 for 8 that game in game three when the Raptors lost to the Bucks or down 2-1 in the first round. And I was like, damn, that's tough. And then 2018, the last one, was probably the worst. I mean, he got benched for Fred Van Bleed in game six against Washington. That game, they closed it out. Yeah. Now, DeMar comes in later in that game, but it was like three-minute mark where that happened. So, you know, it's not necessarily him closing it out. Uh, he got benched after only scoring eight points and three of 12 shooting in game three. And then in game four, his last game as a Raptor, he ends up getting ejected from the game in the second quarter because he smacked Jordan Clarkson in the head and popped his um, – his, uh, I forgot about that. Yes, yeah. Lenzo or whatever. So <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like the playoff that record here is just really bad. And the difference <laughs> between Kyle and Demar is that like the on-off numbers always painted Demar as sort of a consistent negative. And I mean, you know, in on-off per hundred possessions, he was minus six point six points per hundred possessions in twenty fourteen, minus seven point nine in twenty fifteen. Minus 4.8 in 2016, minus 13.2 in 2017, and then minus 19.9 in 2018. It's just hard to defend that. And and really mm-hmm. what I come back to is just, as a number one guy, was he ever the best player in a series? And the Raptors had played in one, two, five, six, seven, eight, eight ser- nine series with DeMar DeRozan. I don't think he was the best guy in any of those nine series, which is just tough. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's true. And I think when you break it down with more specifics, if, like you can see his his short his kind of massive shortcomings. I think like when we talk about we didn't really see it for the first time I think until the last like last year. But just when you talk about players having another gear, right, mm-hmm. that they can shift into in the playoffs, like DeMar didn't really ever have that, but more than that, like it also took the entire team. It took yeah. Kawhi, but it also like took the entire team having very strong games at the same time, which was something that that's true. You know, between Lowry and um, <clears throat> DeRozan, they never seemed to be able to do that in the postseason. Like one would have a strong game, one would have a terrible game, and like that kind of became 
like a very sick, like running joke, right? Like you couldn't, mm. you couldn't count on either of them, but it like, it takes everybody doing as much as they can to kind of pull off these games. And yeah, I guess Rosen never had that. Yeah. No, I mean, it brings me no pleasure to talk about this whatsoever. Yeah, it's just such a weird thing that like. That Clarkson that's... thing was weird. He, he, I for, yeah. like I forgot about that and it that was very weird and I maybe it's like a I don't want to read too much into it but it feels like maybe indicative of like some frustrations even on DeRozan's part because like he wasn't ever one to really like break his cool like that exactly and honestly I watched back that play last night it was Fred Blue just mishandled the ball mm-hmm. and let Clarkson get out on the fast break and DeMar was just trying to get back and make a play it wasn't like he like clobbered him or anything like that. Really, could have been a flagrant one, but the referees were probably like, "Nah, get these rappers out of here." So let's just inject them and go home. Um, yeah, we yeah, like and- we know where this is going. Let's just get it over with. <laughs> exactly. But that's that's crazy. Like for all the great things Demar did as a Raptor, you know, setting the tone here, being the franchise leader in scoring, games played, stuff like that. His last play, his last memory as a Raptor is hitting Jordan Clarkson of all people. I mean, like, come on, yeah, at least hit so LeBron, great. like, <laughs> or Kevin Love or Chetty Fry, like Jordan Clarkson. Yeah, like make like, it come count, on. make it JR count. Smith, yeah. Um, and that's the thing. And that Jordan. You oh, sorry. What? Oh, go, no, go ahead. No, no, I want to hear Jordan. Clarkson. I was just going to say Jordan Clarkson has emerged as such like a lovely, <laughs> like a, a very like positive player. Yeah, he's just like a nice. Lou Williams kind of Lou Williams plus like a fashionable Lou Williams. He's very Le- like less annoying than Lou Williams even could have been, you know. That's true. <laughs> anyway, um, what were you? But yeah, going back to Demar. Like the last thing about the playoffs thing is just like as you mentioned, like you got to do one of two things in the playoffs. You got to either uh, be able to elevate your game, uh, as you mentioned, or at least be you. You have to have some sort of baseline to fall onto, right? Mm-hmm. And that's where Demar's game was so predicated on. I need to be a star. And if he's not a star, he's not producing like a star. He's not as useful because he didn't shoot and he didn't defend. And so when he did struggle, he really, really was a liability to the team. And that's why he got Mm -hmm. benched these times. Kyle didn't really get benched because Kyle, you know what? A lot of times Kyle Lowry was not able to elevate his game to score, to assist and whatever, to lead the team. But what he was able to do was defend, take the hustle plays, all that other stuff. Um, And that's something that DeMar kind of lacked. You know? Yeah, he can he could like shift he could shift his like game like if he was in the foreground or the background basically. And like to your point, DeRozan didn't really excel when he was asked to do that. Or like he shouldn't have been asked to do it, right? Like that's, that's another true. thing of like a star caliber player and like a playoff caliber player, like a difference maker, is like they can just read like you, we talk a lot about like Larry's IQ, but like they can just read the court, right? They can read the team, they know yeah. what needs to happen. And DeRozan like he was very stubborn. Like he, he was a very stubborn a player. Yeah. yeah. And I think like that's like to his detriment, like that's where that side came out. Right. The worst and, in the worst way. And like, honestly, just to, out of fairness to DeMar, never really had a good supporting cast. Like that's true too. Yeah. <laughs> he went to the Eastern conference finals with Louis Scola and Damari Carroll as starting <laughs> players. That, I mean, in retrospect, like he did really do, he really did, he did make the most, the most. with yeah. what he had. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like his best bench players were like Corey Joseph and Patrick Patterson, who I like those guys. They're, they're productive players, but in a playoff setting, I mean, you know, <laughs> I mean, yeah, it was like Terrence Ross. Like it, it was, it, it's nothing compared to what Kawhi ultimately had last year in the championship squad. I mean, look at those pieces around him. 
it were incredible yeah. in addition to Kawhi being like MJS. And even this year, like the supporting cast being the kind of maturity and the level they're producing at is way, way more advanced than what DeMar had to work with. So that's that, that's really my defense of it. But, okay, so the 2018 thing happens. Um, they go into the offseason. so much uncertainty. Dwayne Casey gets let go. Masai Jerry's sweating like crazy at the press conference. And then about a month goes by, and they let go of DeMar DeRozan in an infamous trade um, that is now one of the pivotal points of the franchise, July 18th. 2018 when DeMar DeRozan gets mm-hmm. traded to the San Antonio Spurs for Kawhi Leonard and um, Danny Green. Obviously there's a lot of drama that's come out of this whole situation, a lot of hurt feelings. And if you listen to the first hour of this podcast, you understand where those hurt feelings come from. How much do you emphasize with DeMar on um, how that trade went down, how it was handled? A lot. Like I still do. I still mm-hmm. think it was very, um, it felt extremely abrupt to me mostly in the way that I get it now and I understand like it needed to move quickly, but I do think it was very strange for the front office who has had thus far like been quite communicative and like that's something they like prided themselves on just in terms of like being different than other GMs and like the way they manage the team. Like it was, it felt like open communication. It's always going to be business. I get it. Like it comes down to that, but just like the way they, handle that communication, especially with like someone they've had as their star for so long and like built the franchise around. I felt like they, they owed him an explanation or they owed him like a heads up at least to say like, you know what, this could be an option. You should just be aware of that. But like, it sounds like, you know, from what we've heard since is that they never, they kind of promised him one thing. They promised him that he was safe. And then like, even if you didn't want to explicitly say to him, like, you're safe, then maybe don't say anything, you know? Yeah. Cause like, then it's like, then at least he could say like, look, like everybody, you know, everybody's tradable. It's an option. Right. But if someone comes to you and is like, don't worry, <laughs> you're safe. Yeah. And then you're gone. Like mm-hmm. it is, it is super abrupt. And yeah. I know I like, I don't, I'm not the type of person who like looks at it and is like, Oh, it's always like a business. It comes down to, it comes down to like whatever the smartest decision is for the team. I don't, of course I'm glad that they made the trade, Yeah. but I, at the time, like, I, I don't know, I like reeled from it. I was like really reeling from it and I could totally like be empathetic in terms of like how DeRozan felt and like, he just felt like totally betrayed, you know? Mm. Yeah. I remember, I remember going to games early in the 2018, 19 season and talking to a couple of fans on courtside and this one uh, woman I met who was sitting, you know, near one of the, the baseline seats, she told me, she's mm-hmm. like, I'm never going to like Kawhi. Like, DeMar was my guy. <laughs> and I'm always going to oh, remember no. Kawhi as the guy who um, was the reason why DeMar was gone. And, okay, obviously, I, I maybe I got to follow up because that was in the middle of the regular <laughs> season. Um, yeah, she might have changed her tune a bit. She's <laughs> probably holding a he stay sign uh, at the parade, I hope. Um <laughs> But yeah, like, you know, that was really the sentiment. Like, I'm not saying this to like uh, single her out. I'm just saying like, this was a very common sentiment at the time. And DeMar was definitely upset, right? Um, you know, he obviously had some Instagram mm-hmm. stories at when the trade went down. Um, you know, DeMar has a unique way of using Instagram too. It feels like a lot of like yeah. blank pages with just like a just small text. But uh, he's, he's, he put out in a story, you know, be told one thing and the outcome another. Can't trust him, ain't no loyalty in this game. 
a lot of backlash from like following like follow a fellow players who really rushed to Demar's defense and sort of mm-hmm. critique the Raptors for doing this. And and really, I remember there was this big interview that Demar did a sit down with uh, Chris Haynes, who was at ESPN at the time. He's since gone to Yahoo, but um, he had this long sit down with Chris Haynes on on ESPN, and he and Demar basically just said for like. I mean, he was asked like a hundred different ways. How much do you hate the Raptors right now? Um, and Demar's point was over and over again. It's just like, yo, just let me know, right? Just, yeah. just let me know. I'm a cool dude. I'm an adult. I understand how these things go. Just let me know because you know. And he said, when you use the word family or brother terms like that, other people use lightly. And I'm like, wow, he's really just saying like he feels so betrayed by the whole situation. And I think ultimately. You know, obviously, it's nothing about the trade itself. We can agree the trade is one of the greatest trades in NBA history, not even just rapper history, NBA history to get a, mm-hmm. basically a championship team off one move. Well, it's a little simplifying, but it's definitely a major move. Um, but even now, like when Masai was interviewed by Ernie Johnson of inside the uh, NBA, like earlier this month, Masai himself even expresses like, look, there's still work to be done here. And Masai wants to make things right because, you know, he understands how much of a how much of a callous move it was and how like mm-hmm. uh heartbreaking it was it, it's it really is it's some godfather shit man it, he really was just like he betrayed him man he betrayed him it, it's what it is that's yeah that's what i mean like that's why i think there was more that we didn't hear and we may mm-hmm. not ever hear to it because like when you have Masai kind of doubling down and admitting that perhaps like it was mishandled and like you know, to what I said earlier, like that's all DeRozan wanted. Like he just mm-hmm. wanted a little bit of a heads up. He just yeah. wanted to know that it was, that it, it could have been an option, you know? Yeah. And it just seems like throughout the whole thing, it was painted to him as like the farthest thing from possible that could have happened. Right. Um. So I think like, you know, I think it was right that he felt betrayed. Mm-hmm. And I think like he was right to be, upset about it for as long as he was i know there was some like pushback people were like like you know mostly fans were just like you should get over it mm-hmm. and like larry was pretty upset about it for a while too and i remember feeling like you know they can kind of be upset about it as long as they want but yeah. larry had never really affected his gameplay which like we i think is like a testament to him and i mean for DeRozan, i actually think it was one of the best things that could have happened to his career at that point mm-hmm but well, he, he did I mean in the Raptors defense they did leave him in a good situation San Antonio mm-hmm. Greg Popovich that's pretty good that's pretty good um they also you know I don't want to I mean yeah it's just it wasn't that bad I mean look if Kawhi was on I don't know like uh the New York Knicks I think Masai still would have made that move and left DeMar with New York but ultimately yeah. speaking it wasn't <laughs> the worst possible situation to land DeMar and it, it's just unfortunate and you know, it, honestly, like when people talk about oh the injuries and stuff like that with the Warriors, like that doesn't really taint anything for the title for me because I'm like I don't care. It's just a game. The only thing that slightly taints the title for me is just like how how much sacrifice went into it, right? It, they had to yeah. really just cut JV deep, they had to really cut Demar deep, and these guys yes. really helped build the foundation. And it's it's just such a big sacrifice to win a title. That's the only small small um, bit of uh, you know regret and taint. Um, just tainted feeling that I uh, feel from that. But, you know, now, you know, of course the Raptors went on to win the championship the year DeMar gets mm-hmm. moved. Um, in looking back, did DeMar's legacy change once the Raptors won a title and, and how so? Um, 
like his, I don't know, not really. I think what changes is when you look at like how, if you want to be extremely dramatic, which I will be, but like he, the championship, the title wouldn't have been possible without the Raptors having drafted him in the first place. And like the road that that took, you know what I mean? And like what you said, even most recently, like what you just said about the team that Kawhi inherited and like having all those pieces to rely on, like Fred and Norm, um, like OG, just like all the guys that like come through that we know can come through in the clutch, not OG, not OG in the playoffs, (laughs) but like that came from the work of, DeRozan mm-hmm. um being like he said like we said before like the vet for those guys and like setting the really like high precedent of like work and teamwork and just like the way that that team always tried to excel and like boost each other mm-hmm. so I think like you, you you can't look at it he affected the team's legacy in so many different that I do think it absolutely like puts a stamp perhaps on his legacy you know like it, it not that it wasn't, I don't want to say it legitimizes it because it was legitimate before, mm-hmm. but it boosts, it certainly like boosts it in a different way okay. because like none of, I don't think anything that we, we had before, what we had that we have now rather like with the title would have been possible, like without, without DeRozan being a part of kind of like every step of the way. Yeah, I think that's, that's absolutely true. And I think that's the part that is going to get his jersey retired and what other mm-hmm. ways the Raptors want to celebrate DeMar DeRozan. Um, you know, you can't ever take away that love that the city has with him um, and continues to have with him. Can't take away, as obviously you mentioned, the impact that he had in terms of setting the franchise, the tone, the, the impact he had on many of the younger players. Mm-hmm. Um, that stuff never changes. That stuff is always going to be there. That stuff is always a DeMar's. That, that's that's DeMar DeRozan, right? And that, that's his legacy with the Raptors, in addition to all the statistical accomplishments and things like that. Um but really, I think, you know, I don't really take any credit away from DeMar whatsoever in terms of his legacy. Mm-hmm. I just think it's it's just tough because it's a difference in perspective, right? When all you know in the world is, well, maybe not all you know, because Vince was here <laughs> and maybe Vince was better. But, like, when all you knew at the time was DeMar DeRozan and this is a, the, the, the lens that you watched all of basketball through was Colin DeMar and sort of all the possibilities that those two guys with their talents and their abilities brought to the team – when that gets moved and expanded to when you get a guy like Kawhi and you see how truly elite you see up close, how truly elite um, the top players are, the difference between a guy like Kawhi and DeMar, it's just through no fault of DeMar's whatsoever. It just expands your worldview, you know? Mm-hmm. And I think in that perspective, DeMar looks a little more diminished because he, it's very clear after watching Kawhi, even for just one year, you know, there's very, very many different levels to this. But at the same time, that doesn't necessarily change anything about what DeMar did. And, of course, DeMar should get a lot of credit for this. I'm not saying he should have got a ring or whatever. So, like, you know, whatever. He wasn't on the team. He didn't get a ring. That's fine. But, um, you know, DeMar had to make himself from a guy who literally averaged less than, like, Chase Budinger and Omri Caspi and Johnny Flynn as a rookie to, at the end of his Raptor tenure, nine, nine years afterwards, where he was so good that he could be the centerpiece for a trade to get back a guy like Kawhi. Mm-hmm. Um, that's you know again like none of the Raptors title and stuff like that happens without DeMar DeRozan and it, it it I think that that as much as anything else should be part of his legacy too so I actually don't think his legacy changes that much I just think it's the scope of yeah. the, the magnitude and whatever man I mean like 
that's just life, I guess. But it doesn't mean that the people in your life that came beforehand, before your life got better, meant nothing to you. Your life probably never gets that good without some people in your life before that, you know? That's true. Yeah. <laughs> it's true. I mean, I, ah, Damar. I don't know. Like some, we talked about it, but like so many of the things that like he, he couldn't overcome, I just really don't think we're up to him to overcome. Like, how do you overcome like the calves back to back in like when LeBron's like at his peak, you know what I mean? Like, how do you do that? I mean, you already know, like, it's not going to be on a player like DeRozan to do that. Like we wanted it very badly, but those are those kinds of pieces to me. Like, don't again, like, like you said, like they don't diminish his legacy because his legacy is still just like he, he like formed the team that eventually won the championship. Like in, in a lot of ways, like you can't No, he didn't get a ring, Mm -hmm. but I don't, I think he still delivered us in some aspects a title yeah for sure man this honestly this this tomorrow is hard to talk about just just because of this like i feel so much so many conflicted emotions you know about it even now um i know but he's happy now he seems like he that's another thing that like makes me genuinely feel good is that i think like for him it it it, as much as it sucked and it hurt a lot like Mm -hmm. it's something that like he sort of still ended up like taking its stride yeah. And like has been better for his career. I think it's been better for his outlook. I think it really helped him grow as like an athlete mm-hmm. and probably to some degree as a person, I wouldn't want to like put words in his mouth, but like when you see him now, like whether it's just like on the FaceTimes of the the players, like recently, like in lockdown, he's just so happy. Yeah. You know, it, it like, speaks, it speaks so much to his character that he can be so happy for the Raptors to win the championship. Like he's genuinely happy. The Raptors won the championship. A lot yeah. of other people could look at it like, damn, they yeah. moved me and they want a title. That's tough to handle. Um, <laughs> but he's genuinely happy. And he, cause, because he's loyal to Kyle, he's loyal to all the players that came before him. Uh, he's loyal to many people in the organization. And like, that's, that's awesome. It takes a bit. You got to really, really be able to get over yourself, get over your ego and things like that to, to put that aside and just be happy for your friends. And, mm-hmm. you know, that's something tomorrow's always been able to do. Super cool. Yeah. It, it is cool. <laughs> I, don't know. I miss him. I miss him, but I don't like he, I don't want him back. And I don't think he wants to come <laughs> back. And like, yeah. I don't, I don't mean that. Like, I don't want him back because of like how he plays. I just think like it would be stunting to his, like um, not just his career, but like his potential. Right. Um, and then lastly, to end up on a, a, a much happier note, not just a necessarily a bittersweet one. Uh, your favorite DeMar DeRozan dunk. There's so many great DeMar DeRozan dunks. Yeah, there are. And like the way he dunks is so different. Like it's mm-hmm. such a, I don't know. It's just like, it's very aggressive, but at the same time, it's like so seamless and like fluid. Mm-hmm. I think like, I like his dunk. I miss his dunk face. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that he made like walking like, away. Yeah, like walking away from dunks. Yeah. Um, I think he had like he had a it was it was early in the 2016 season. Mm-hmm. I think it was one of the first times that the Raptors played the Cavs after they beat us. Mm-hmm. And he like posters Tristan Thompson. Yeah. Oh. And I remember like everyone just like gets on their feet. Everyone's like flipping out and screaming. Like the reaction is so much like vindication. Mm-hmm. Um, and you're like, this is like the, one of the second, this is like the second game of the season. Like let's, yeah. and also we know what, we know what happened like later, well, but still. I, yeah. I mean, okay. So it was end of the game in the fourth quarter, maybe the last two minutes. It was a very close game. Yeah. So it was a great play just as a basketball play. Cause you needed a bucket, 
but it was also tainted because the Raptors lost that game to the Cavs. It's the same yes. thing with that Rudy Gay, <laughs> uh, Rudy, um, Rudy Gobert dunk, where he he posters Rudy Gobert, but I think they lose yeah. that game too in, in Utah. I know. Um, and then I think there was like in the series with the Wizards in the 2018 series, okay. he. Uh, JV gets like the turnover. He like flips it up court. He flips it out to DeLon Wright. And then like DeRozan is already just like steamrolling right down the middle. Mm. And it, it he kind of like floats up and just like slams it. And like also when I was watching clips of that, I was like, this season seems like it was 30 years ago. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like it's really messed up. But, and I don't know if this counts, but it's, it kind of counts because the Raptors are involved, but like his revenge dunk that he had oh. when the, when, yeah. Santa, when the Spurs beat the Raptors, like in like last season, like the first time they played them, mm-hmm. oh, I really smacked us. I really liked that for him. Yeah. Like it, it yeah. hurt, but I was like, oh, like this is really like he deserves mm-hmm. this, and he meant it. Yeah, I mean, it's it's the first <laughs> time you you see your ex who you dumped, who you did wrong by, and they look so good in public, and you're like, damn, yeah, I deserve yeah. this. I, I and you like this. fall, you like fall down in the street, or you like trip uh-huh. off the curb, or something. Like you embarrass yourself. Yeah. <laughs> um. Yeah. No, I mean, honestly, this makes me smile because to to your point about the way Demar dunks, it's mm-hmm. it's like he's punching the rim. <laughs> it's like he just like gives it a hard <laughs> jab at the basket. You know, like. Um, he because he's able to like really cock back and really just put his whole body into the mm-hmm. dunk. That's mm-hmm. super impressive. Because Demar's not necessarily that. He's not in terms of just NBA athletes. Not overwhelming in terms of his strength and his size and things like that. He's regular sized NBA player, but he's able to put, pack just so much power into those um, dunks. And it, it definitely looks like he's punching. Uh, Tristan, mm-hmm. I think that's it's like that for Tristan. It's like that when he dunked on um, on Gobert as well. He had a yeah. great, obviously a great one-handed dunk against Timofey Mozgov back in 2013. <laughs> oh, Definitely yeah. a classic. He put <laughs> Kyle Singler on a, on a poster with that one-handed dunk. So that was like his signature, but I actually really enjoyed his two-handed dunks because, mm-hmm. you know, the two that come up to me, both super clutch plays. Um, game six against the Bucks in 2017. So the Raptors had blown this 25-point lead, all right, to the Milwaukee Bucks. It was – everyone knows the 26-3 to run that the Raptors went on in game six against the Bucks. But in game six against the Bucks, the Bucks won on a like 40 to seven run. It was dumb. But they, they really came back from 25 points because 45 year old assistant coach as Jason Terry was hitting a bunch of threes and Tony Snell was there. But the Raptors really overcame it at the end, a seven nothing run on the road to close out the series. And DeMar had the play of the game where he was trapped in the corner by Thon Maker and Jason Terry. He drives hard out of that trap sees Giannis at the basket and goes in not just with one hand, but finishes with two hands over a seven-footer in Giannis with the obviously incredible blocking, um, shot blocking ability. And it was just such a, just the relief I felt, the, the primal scream I let out because the Raptors, it, it turned it from 85-82 to 87-82 and it really clinched the series for the Raptors. Uh, it was mm-hmm. just so satisfying. And then of course the 2018 dunk against Anthony Tolliver where at the end of this regulation against the Pistons, he drives the full length of the floor, and it was like, all right, he's going to stop at some point. He's going to stop at some point, right? He, but he just never stops. He picks up so much momentum. And then two hands just, like, literally ends Anthony Tolliver's life. <laughs> like, I, I don't know. I haven't seen We've Andy never Tolliver. heard from him since. Yeah. When, when have you I – mean, it says on basketball reference he's in the NBA still. I, I don't nope. believe it. It says he's on no. Portland, which I'm like, all right, cool, maybe. Um, 
But yeah, he just just obliterates him. And uh-huh. the celebration afterwards where Kyle Lowry is just like jumping up and down, like just <laughs> screaming like a, any other fan would be in that moment. And DeMar is just like silently like, yeah, it's me. Yeah. You, you, you don't like talk. We talk so much about like Lowry's fearlessness and like how he kind of puts his body on the line. But with like some of DeRozan's dunks, like that one, especially with Giannis, like he, he's just kind of like single-mindedly sees mm-hmm. where he's going to go and he goes there. Yeah. It doesn't matter like who's in the way. Yeah. And that's that signature stubbornness DeMar has, you know? Yeah. yeah. That same stubbornness to like, I'm only going to shoot mid-range shots and that's fine. I'm, I'm not going to, yeah, I'm not going to pass to anyone and I'm going to dunk. <laughs> yeah. I'm just going to dunk this and you're going to take it right there. And um, yeah, it was honestly just that play. And of course, like that dunk was so good because at the end of overtime, it was the same play. DeMar was going to end, like, who's going to dunk at the rim again? And uh, because the Pistons had just seen this happen, Everyone collapses at the rim, and he kicks out the Fred Van Vliet for the game winner. Um, and, yeah, that game was, I mean, one of the great DeMar games, too. Just his leadership and his growth as a passer that year was really fun to watch. So, honestly, DeMar DeRozan, all-time after great. Um, I won't make you rank him or anything like that because it just feels disingenuous. Really. Thank you. Just want to appreciate DeMar, <laughs> you know, and, yeah. and t- look at his career in total. So, Katie, thanks so much for helping me with this. Uh, I feel super nostalgic now. Um, is there I anything you would like to leave the viewers with? What do you want to plug? Uh, oh. Anything like that? Um, I don't know. Now it feels disingenuous to like <laughs> plug. It feels like I don't want to plug myself. Like I feel my I feel like very warm in my chest from like talking about DeRozan. Mm-hmm. So no, I don't know. I mean, okay. you could always subscribe to Basketball Feelings because that's kind of where more of this lives. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. So fair how about you. that? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Okay, good. good. Definitely do that. Um, listen to Dishes and Dimes. Yes. Oh, yes. Yeah. <laughs> listen to Dishes and Dimes. I should plug because that's not just me. You should listen to Dishes and Dimes because it's mm. also a great podcast. Uh, I feel like DeRozan gets talked about a lot. Yeah. A lot. Because Iman's a hater, but you know, it's what it is. We know we got a good mix of haters and fans, but. Yeah, yeah there you go. And thank you, for, thank you for asking me to go on this journey. Yeah, no, thank you for coming. This is it's it's really fun to do these podcasts. So like I really like did a deep dive on Kyle, and that was so much fun to just look back on his career because he's had such a storied uh, journey. Did one on Pascal and Fred, and they're so early in their career, but so much has happened for them already. And mm-hmm. yeah, it's been really fun. So I mean, Demar was obviously the next guy I wanted to do just because he has such a great story. But even guys like I want to do one on Masai. I want to do one on, on Nick Nurse too because Nick Nurse. I, I just want to talk to Nick Nurse, not about NBA basketball, but about, like, British basketball league. Like, what's that about? Like, are you driving a minivan with your players in it? Like, how much coaching goes into that? Like, It's uh, probably so weird. It's probably, like, there's probably so many weird, like, off-court stories with that. I just picture. Yeah. I don't know. Like, are, are you, are you, like, <laughs> I don't know, man. The players must all have, like, part-time jobs and stuff. It might be, like, a CFL situation, so. A hundred percent. Yeah. <laughs> You know, so that that would be interesting. So um, there's there's definitely a lot of things to look back on. And, and like I told you before, the thing, like, it's just, you know, when you have time like this to really pause and reflect on life and things like that, like, you know, it's not that serious reflecting on the Raptors. It's not reflecting on life. But it, 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 it is great to just, like, pause and take a moment to really appreciate, like, a lot of the things that happen. Because the basketball season, especially when you're media and stuff like that, like, it passes by so quickly. You're always totally. reacting and thinking hard and focusing on them, like, 
minute details when you look back like you can really appreciate like a lot of what's happened it's it's been a raptors are a great franchise i'm very happy very thankful they're, for raptors they're incredible they're amazing they're yeah. still champs they're still champions that's right we're gonna be they're so annoying champs. on twitter next year when <laughs> everyone's still at home but the, the raptors are playing <laughs> basketball on a cruise ship in morocco and um and we're screaming still champions <laughs> while they played best of three so all right thank you katie and um Thanks, listeners Will. yeah you're welcome um and then yeah <laughs> uh, for listeners uh you know there will be another classic raptors reaction podcast coming out later this week i did one earlier on the uh 96 uh expansion team for the raptors beating the 72 win chicago bulls which was super fun i have one that's slightly less fun but the original game seven against philadelphia uh, I'm talking to uh, Big V, a podcast favorite, about that one. So looking for that next week or later this week. But uh, for now, thanks everyone for listening. Stay safe and stay indoors. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.